Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Netflix Roulette. Hello everybody, I'm Brett Stewart. Joining me on this lovely evening, Nicole Davis, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I have a restless cat, so please forgive me if you hear any crashing or sliding around in the background. I will try to take care of that swiftly. Uh, I, she wanted my cheese. I would not share. If she wants to come share my red wine so she will calm the F down, that would be okay. <laughs> but I don't think she's going to do that. Have you ever tried the kitty wine? The, oh, God, there is one. Yeah, yeah. So it comes in like it's like kitty wine, and it has some sort of name with a pun in it, and it's essentially like red colored water with catnip and infused into it. <laughs> this is something you can buy where I live in the northern part of Chicago. No, it is a I just, very when, North Chicago thing. Yeah, no. When when she wants a little hit of the nip, I give her the herb straight. So, <laughs> for the record, it is Pinot Meow or. Moscato. Yes. David Luzader, everybody. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. My dog is in the other room right now. So if you hear any dog noises, it, there's oh, apparently our feed is being haunted by a dog ghost. Oh, goodness. Oh, well, there's also the Burgundy. The Burgundy. I love it. Yeah, Mavis wouldn't go for those. We tried one of them. I think it was, I think it was like Pinot Meow. And she just was not having it. But you know what? We're going to talk about this movie. <laughs> I didn't have a good a intro Cat there. Bernay. Okay, I'm done. I'm getting out of this website. Yeah, get Let's out of there. talk about anything else. This week was Netflix roulette, meaning that we spun the wheel. Netflix spat us back a movie, and we watched it. It was a Netflix original movie this time, which is kind of fun. I mean, that that's a perfect like thing for it to spit out, and it did. Uh, <laughs> it's called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Before we introduce it, however, I do want to introduce Nicole's pick for next week. It is going to be a future classic. That means it has come out in the last decade, and Nicole is deeming it is, in some capacity, going to be a classic. What are we watching? Next week, we will be watching the 2010 film Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh, well, okay then. So you took you took what was going to be my next pick for future classic. <laughs> well, it's your own fault. I gave you guys the choice too. You wouldn't help me pick, so I went with the older one and that's what I had. <laughs> I I got to be honest, for a geek who has been in the circles of people who love this movie, I only know a couple scenes from it, just anecdotally from hanging out with people. I've never seen the movie. Oh, you're going to have so much fun. Yeah. And it's I, on Netflix. Super convenient. I've heard there's some pretty rad bass playing. That's that's oh, what I've heard. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, I yes, can't wait. Although not from Scott Pilgrim's character. Or from, oh. you know, that guy who plays Scott Pilgrim. Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah, thank you. I love me some so. Michael Sarah. All righty. Well, this week we did I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, a movie that probably could have benefited from having Michael Sarah. This seems like his kind of gig. Uh, when a depressed Elijah Wood did a good job. He did do a great job. I love him in this. When a depressed woman is burglarized, she finds a new sense of purpose by tracking down the thieves alongside her obnoxious neighbor. But soon they find themselves dangerously out of their depth against a pack of degenerate criminals. This came out in 2017. Again, this is a Netflix original. Now, this was directed by, what is his name? Macon, Macon Blair. Macon Blair. And he's 
previously more well-known for his acting, correct? Yes, he is uh, the childhood friend and actor in a lot of the films of Jeremy Saulnier, who made Murder Party, Blue Ruin, and more recently, Green Room. Um, and then he's done one, I can't remember his latest film. Uh, well, he's, he was in Logan Lucky Netflix. and The Florida Project. Yes, so, so Macon Blair was was the star of Blue Ruin, and he oh, did a yeah. remarkable job. And that film has a lot of the same feel as this one, um, although Blue Ruin is much more kind of bleak and only incidentally funny, whereas this is much more of a dark comedy. And this not only was his you know directorial debut, he also wrote it. This uh, when it went to Sundance won the grand jury award people were all over this movie so it has some good press behind it and some fairly good reviews across the board i mean i didn't find anyone saying this was a bad movie and sometimes you get that with netflix roulette i found people saying that it's a promising movie that it will lead to more impressive things in in blair's catalog in the future but i certainly didn't get anyone saying that this wasn't worth their time just outright yeah, yeah, and, and normally we kind of come back at the end of the episode and are like, would you recommend people watch this? But I will say right now, like, a lot of the time we'll say no. Uh, sometimes it'll be like, yeah, you know, if you're bored on like a, like a Wednesday afternoon, you have some time, watch it. <laughs> this one I would say like, yeah, I would watch this movie. It's really fun. I saw this movie a long time ago, and I guess not that long ago, it only came out two years ago, but... <laughs> Saw it, didn't remember a ton of it, rewatched it with my fiance this week and had so much fun with it because mostly just because of Elijah Wood, he makes this movie. I mean, his entrance in that trailer when they're retrieving her laptop is legendary. It is one of my favorite scenes. He, for context, they track the laptop that's stolen from her home. And uh, because you can do that with this app that she has. I know those apps exist, but they don't look like that. I digress. No. And, uh, They track it to this trailer where someone has purchased it from a skeezy pawn shop, basically. And uh, and he walks into the trailer, throws a ninja star against the wall, uh, lights a firecracker and like throws it on the ground (laughs) and whips out a pair of nunchucks. And Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, you're right. Does the uh, the way he talks about weaponry? I know. I love him. And great. There's there's a line I can't remember. I was trying to look up the line uh, real quick. It's something he says when um, they're trying to look up uh, who owns the van, and he says something like, "There's a typical cheesy hacker line from a movie," and it cuts (laughs) to what he's doing, which is googling (laughs) how to to find a license plate. (laughs) After which he needs her credit card. Yeah, that got me really good. Like that was yeah. really funny. And and I don't think that the uh the praise should just be showered at least for me on Elijah Wood. I love him in this movie. I think he's great, but I think Melanie Linsky, who we saw last week in The Informant as uh, as Ginger, the informant's wife. Uh she's back in this movie in a lead role. She plays Ruth in this, the one who is robbed. And uh I think she's delightful. I think that she underplays the character, which allows us to kind of just pour some of our own existential anguish about how people are assholes into her, which makes her more believable and makes her more relatable. And I, I, I really like her in this movie. Yeah, no, she is definitely the, the embodiment of someone who's 
you know, on the verge between the cusp between the upper echelons of the lower class or the lowest echelons of the middle class. You know, she does have a house, but it's, you know, it's very run down and in a not so great neighborhood. And you get the impression that she's like either has paid it off and that's the only way she can stay or she's just getting by. Um, but she's she's the embodiment of sort of this exhaustion mm. of just getting by for, you know, 15, 20 years in a row. And it's just so wearing. Yeah, she is just worn down. And watching this movie, I was just thinking like she so what I'm going to say is going to sound kind of like a dig. Like she just so well, well embodies like the average person. Uh, which is not a dig at all. It is like she, you know, we talk about like, oh, Matt Damon is the everyman. If the everyman was <laughs> incredibly <laughs> handsome, Matt Damon. Uh, where this is like really an everyman kind of role, uh, like every woman, every person kind of role. And Melanie Linsky is just really like, I've had days where I'm like, yeah, I'm 100% right there with you. I've had stretches of months to a year, years, being like, yeah, I know those exact feelings, uh, Ruth. Like, I'm right there with you. It is just, it is a very relatable character. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, the entire overarching message of this movie, according to to Blair, is is don't be a dick. Uh, and one of the questions in our docket from Nicole is, do we agree with that? You know, is that the overarching theme of this movie? And and do we think it conveys it well? I I think would be an interesting right. question. Is that, is that the message that comes across? Right. I get that it's the message they want to come across. I don't know if it does. At least yeah. she doesn't go kill everybody a la God bless America, which is a movie I saw back to back to this. Um, accidentally. Netflix recommended it. It was like three in the morning and we watched it. And oh, dear. It, ooh, I, think it's just, I think it's just like there's nothing... <sighs> I, I, it's just hard because it's like, what? Who's who is the dick here? That things are like, is she the dick? But she's like our hero. So she's not. So these criminals are the dicks. But yeah, they're dicks. They're criminals. Like there's no average person who's a dick who's you know average person dickiness uh, just completely ruins her life in some dramatic way. It's you know criminals and 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 people of a, of a certain ilk. That are the real problem, and I really don't want to say the word "dick" anymore on this podcast. <laughs> well, I think they're also throwing in, you know, all these like daily uh, indignities isn't quite the right word, but just these sort of little snubs of her humanity by people who take advantage of her being polite, like somebody. Who gets just in front of her at the grocery store and she's got like one thing and they have a cart full uh, yeah or you know some dude with a jacked up truck and giant exhaust pipes that are spewing this black smoke into the air you know and it's just the the inconsideration that some people have for their fellow humans that's just like an everyday kind of thing it's not outright you know, it's not cruelty. It's not anything you can point to and say, hey, that makes you an asshole. It's just these little inconsiderate things. Right. That 
accumulate. Which I'm 100% with, but it's like those things I don't think culminate into the the major conflict of the movie. Um, The one thing I do do quickly want to talk about is the the scene in the bar when the guy approaches her while she's reading the book there. Oh, that's Megan Blair. Yeah, yeah, that's That's the the director director. playing that guy. Uh, I thought that was handled in a really interesting way because you expect like, you know, oh, he's going to come up and like seem kind of nice and she's going to like be like, oh, a nice human being who like, because she she plays really well just in her body language of like, oh, you know, he's kind of cute. Like he's, we, we both like this book. Like maybe we'll chat a little bit more about it. And like, I feel like the expectation for me was like, well, here he's going to aggressively hit on her and be just like a complete asshole because she's a, a woman. But the thing is like, oh no, he gives her a spoiler to her book and then walks away. Like, oh, no big deal that I just I, I just ruined this thing you're really enjoying. Right. Not out of malice, yeah. mind you. But he's it's just like, like so excited to talk with her about the book that he just sort of thoughtlessly, sa- thoughtlessly says, oh, wait till you get to the part where yeah. you find out this thing about this other character, you know? And she was like, she just has this sort of stunned. Just so like defeated. <laughs> yeah, that that's yeah. the guy that read Game of Thrones that's going around telling people about the Red Wedding like four years ago. You know that person in your life. Ugh. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, no one in this is intentionally malicious. I, I do like the, the grocery cart scene because it, it's well, also... None of the everyday, none of well, the yeah, non-criminal not the everyday people. people right. Criminals are malicious. Right, yeah. But, but like, I love the grocery cart scene you mentioned, Nicole, because it's not just they cut in front of her with a ton of stuff. They cut in front of her with a ton of stuff in the 10 item or less lane. Um, right. Which kind of doubles on top of that. And I think when she gets robbed... I think what what does work on don't be a dick messaging in this movie to me is that just somebody being a jerk, you know, robbing her house, stealing a couple things that ultimately are not, you know, the most expensive things in the world, a laptop, some antique spoons and her medication. And oh, it was um, antique silver, man. Silver. Okay, her antique grandmother's silver. Sil- yeah. Yeah, heirloom silver passed down from generation to generation. Yeah, but someone, someone robbing that doesn't price. know that. I, I guess what I'm getting at is like, they didn't steal her car or something like that. And it's, it's antique heirlooms and a laptop and stuff that is somewhat replaceable besides the antiques. She even says uh, that. Right, right. But she says that. But I guess my point is, is that when this movie goes zero to a hundred, which we'll talk about and everything hits the fan in the last 25 minutes of this, and people are literally dying over numerous things that happen throughout this cycle of craziness. It's all, began because her laptop got stolen. People die because her laptop got stolen. If you really well, want to draw the parallels. Yeah, people you could you could go all the way down the chain, you know, there's a chain of things that happens leading up to that and you could have broken it in several places, you know. If they hadn't stolen the laptop, right. those people wouldn't have died. If she hadn't gone after her laptop those people wouldn't have died which the police tell her not to do which is entirely reasonable if she hadn't gone after the silver after she got her laptop back she these people wouldn't have died and she she and she wouldn't have had a broken finger and beaten up an old man oh that hurts so bad (laughs) yeah even if when she had the silver and she just walked out of there and didn't stop and follow that guy or care about it at all everything would have been fine. Right. Well, I except I think it's hard to say that nobody would have died. I mean, when they found out that whatever they were looking for was not in that safe, people may still have died. 
True, but she wouldn't have been any party to right. it. She wouldn't have been involved in any way, shape, or form. Right. So so what does happen is her and uh, and Tony, uh, Elijah Wood, who is her neighbor, we haven't really talked about his place in this, but he's one of these people that is the everyday jerk without maybe even intending to. He's walking, he's zoned out, he's listening to music, yeah. and his dog Kevin takes a crap in her yard and he doesn't pick it up. And, uh, and he becomes her unlikely sidekick throughout all of this. And First, they go and they recover the laptop. Then after they've recovered the laptop, they decide we need to get the spoons and they go to the the pawn shop that the or the junk dealer, really, that the laptop was sold through. And they go and they get this guy, steal his spoons like it's it's not really his fault. Steal. Yeah. But is it really his fault? He's mm. receiving stolen no. property. That's yeah, a crime. And, and, and he I doesn't guess. care that it's stolen. Okay, he doesn't that's care that fair. That's fair. Yeah. And I guess he does break her finger when yeah. chasing with her when chasing her to get these spoons back after she walks out of his shop and Elijah Wood yeah, is very cowering in the car. He's, he's, he's got her by the wrist and is keeping her from leaving and he deliberately breaks her finger. Yeah. And it was so Oh, it's incredibly viscerally painful for me because I have broken that exact finger when I was a kid and I know exactly what it feels like. A lot of bad things happen to hands in this movie. A lot of bad things. Yeah. There's a lot of hand trauma to the, to the (laughs) point, to the point where I had dreams about it. (laughs) And that's not great. (laughs) And, and the breaking of this finger is, is a, is a little taste of what is to come because eventually they find out that the, the person who robbed her is this young schmuck named Christian. And uh, they go and they find his dad's house. His dad, of course, is this incredibly well-off man. He has a personal bodyguard that comes through the house to clear every God, single room bodyguard. before he comes in. Uh, <laughs> well, so clear. Of course yeah. it's clear. He's got yeah. the generic gold digger wife that just wants to make espressos for people to come and visit her because she's I- bored. I felt so bad for her. I felt so I bad for her. I actually really liked her. I well, love she her. She was great. It's like, well, these aren't police. Well, of course they're not police. I was just really bored and wanted to talk to somebody. <laughs> no, I love her. She's great. And she also is like the savior of the day at the very end because she doesn't give mm-hmm. up Ruth. Uh, she's right. awesome. I love well, her. I okay, also... Hold up. Like, well, not that Ruth needed to be given up. She denied that Ruth took any part of it. Right. But if, if she hadn't victim. denied that... Ruth would have yeah. gone to prison probably. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. So, so she definitely saves, you know, Ruth's skin and, uh, and, and they, they come to this house and, and the, of course the father of Christian also named Christian is just really mean to them. And this is how the world works. And she steals his lawn tiger, the lawn tiger. <laughs> that's, not, that's not your lawn tiger. Yeah. Can we t- Oh my God. My favorite line Tony in this is movie. very upset that she steals the lawn tiger. Off and, the guy's it's, and it's, it's just, just like muttering. it's made of like this twigs. It's like a bald topiary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's this tiger shaped out it's of. Like, it's like it's like those 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 balls those balls you see in people's houses that are made of like those like in faces. Yeah, yeah. That just like sit. It's like one of those, but big and right. red and a tiger. So she rips it off the lawn and stuffs it in the back of her Camaro, and she and Tony drive up, and Tony is just very. It's not your lawn tiger. You know, he's he's all cool with going and doing these quasi legal things in the name of justice Mm. and getting her stuff back and, you know, righting the wrongs. But as soon as she does something that's over the line, 
Right. And it's like, well, that wasn't hers to steal back. You know, <laughs> he but gets he upset. He doesn't do anything about it. He doesn't like no. stop her or anything. He's just like he's the. Just, he's disappointed in her. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But he does come to her rescue because this movie goes from zero to sixty. I think the moment at which it really blows open and goes insane is when young Christian dies. I think that is when this movie turns into something else entirely. <laughs> um, because yeah, he comes by a bus. Yeah, yeah. Because well, he no. comes to to her house because he knows that she visited his father, and she s- breaks his windpipe with the yeah. cast of his own foot. Yeah. So yeah, Ouch. and I mean, he doesn't. He gets because of what she did. He gets hit by the bus because he goes staggering out of her house for help, but can't call to anyone. And is kind of you know, he's he's out of it. You know, he he doesn't know what he's doing. Because pain and oxygen deprivation, yeah, <laughs> just walks out in the middle of the street and gets plastered by a bus. It's a real Felicity moment when that happens. There, uh, uh, don't I forget. Know I didn't see Felicity. Don't forget, everybody, that at one point in Felicity, somebody got hit by a bus. Uh, <laughs> like the yeah, Final Destination movie. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say about the, uh, the 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 kid getting hit by this? Well, uh, all right, I. I took small because like then like then she gets abducted by the two criminals. I had a small issue with that though, because she calls the cops as she's getting abducted. And like, I don't know. For me, that was a small moment of like my brother-in-law is a cop and I've talked to him about like how like, if that happened, there would be police there. Like police would show up at her house and like start investigating and try to figure out what happened. If you got called, if you got cut off in the middle of a phone call like that. Yeah, and the police right, are but there, the but for a different reason. There, she's gone. Right. Yeah, but then there's the whole. Uh, anyway, I, I shouldn't have even mention it. Right, but, but I mean, no, it's no. You're right, though. I mean, and then the because well, one thing that is weird about this whole scenario at the end of the movie, when it turns into this cat and mouse game between her and Marshall, who is the guy pulling the strings of young Christian. <sighs> yeah, um, yeah, cat he, meat. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's the Fagin of this little. Right. theft ring that he's got going with right. Christian Jr. And what's the girl's name? I actually have no idea. <laughs> he says uh, her name when she uh, dies, but I don't remember it. They only mentioned it like once. Uh, I couldn't tell if that was like supposed to be his daughter or something. I don't know. This girl with dreadlocks who seems to be... With, like, and face tattoos. And face tattoos. And who seems to be like either a protege or a lover or a daughter. Who knows? You know, this, this hanger on, she's clearly has some affection for Marshall anyway. Right. Um, I think it's a Des. Yeah, it Des. is Des. That's right. It does. And, uh, so. yeah, they, they go to, they, they go to Rob, you know, C- Christian senior and, and his rich, you know, house and his bodyguard and his, and his wife is, and, 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 I have some trouble buying that like no one hears what's going on. I mean, gunshots are going off and people are running around the house and this is like a uh, long it's, it's protracted movie, it's scene. movie gunshots, movie gunshots. Right, no one can hear you, those. You just kind of got to accept no one can hear it unless they're in the same room. Right. Though this is where <laughs> it really blows really blows up beyond even young Christian dying because then Everybody starts dying, uh, partly because they yeah. stick them up with like blunderbusses. Like oh, what? With, 
ancient like a rusty yeah this ancient, yeah, ancient rusty gun okay here's a hint if you have to force a shell into the chamber <laughs> don't fire that gun don't fire that gun don't don't fire that shotgun that's a bad well, idea everybody and everybody reacts i assume they go into shock instantly because they react to their hands getting destroyed as if like nothing is happening like yeah when, when well, his hand gets shot off like yeah he's like clutching but when her hand gets shot off she like grabs a knife immediately and is like gets back into the fight <laughs> right yeah so what, i'm not sure you know i've had various levels of injury and you know broke my finger all i could think about was pain and i was howling all the way to the hospital um you know i got hit by a car and didn't feel anything for like a day and a half um and but you know fractured my spine boy that hurt you know instantaneously and for a long time thereafter um so yeah i guess it it i don't know shock is a weird beast it is a weird thing and it's it's difficult to predict yeah yeah well well, des uses this old ancient gun to shoot christopher christian senior's hand because he has a gun and she blows off the entirety of this guy's hand before then trying to shoot uh, Tony and the gun backfires into her hand because of course it did. (laughs) And uh, Tony's entrance, second best scene with Tony, he throws a ninja star into her face. Yeah, it's pretty great. (laughs) And it's accurate. pretty great. No, he's good with those throwing stones. (laughs) When he tries to dig it out of the wall, the one house. Right. (laughs) That's how hard I threw it. Oh, God God bless (laughs) Elijah Wood's performance in this movie. That one line is so great. (laughs) Because he has to really work to get out of the wall. He's like, that's how hard I threw it. And he's like, he's impressed with himself. Yeah. And I and I love when they're going into the trailer and and he does this like he does like ten male Harry's and prays to God and and she asks him about it. He's like, you ask for help. I ask for help. This is how this works. And then whips out the nunchucks. <laughs> and keep in mind, this is all happening for those who have not seen the movie where he has a little Anakin Skywalker rat tail on the back of his head. Oh, God, that rat. Yeah. While like wearing shaved on the sides. Right. While wearing, you know, giant framed glasses right out of office space and a leather jacket with like a Motley Crue T-shirt underneath it. And Nicole put in our docket, you know, everyone in my generation and social class knows a Tony. Do they still exist or is he a holdover for Macon Blair's teen years? Mm, they still, still exist. exist. They still okay. exist. Okay. Yeah. Tony, I, I knew several Tonys. <laughs> Tony is uh, Tony is real close to having an airbrush van. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's yes. extremely close to having an airbrush van. Yeah. Tony's so. Tony's exist, especially I, I've learned. Um, in like modern suburbia, you got a lot of Tonys, like young kids that kind of grow up and need to be edgy, and this is kind of the route they they choose to go. Um, I yeah, know, I know heavy some people. Metal, it's fantasy novels, right? It's, uh, and they're white. That's not like, right. Yeah, sure right. No, I, yeah, I know white, some people that look exactly arts. like him that now work at the grocery store where I used to live when I yeah. grew up. Um, it's martial arts, but took maybe five classes and either didn't have the follow through to stick with it or didn't have the money to stick with it and like learned the rest from books and watching Kung Fu movies. Yeah. Owns a and, Morning Star. 
right. on the Morning Star, right? Which is that like spiky thing on oh, the yeah, end of the. Oh, he slapped someone in the face with that thing. No, accidentally. No, no, the accidentally. Guy, yeah. The guy, like, they're, they're tussling over it and it hits the guy in the face. Right. And that is not the only time that sort of thing happens in this movie. Yeah. You know, she clocks the old man with her silver chest when he tries to stop her from leaving just by turning around. She yeah. whacks him in the face unintentionally. Yeah, so, and that's kind of what I was saying, like with the with the like the hand thing. What I meant more outside of shock is like there's kind of a hyper level of violence to this movie in a way of like just the everyday world is a little more violent than you think it is within the reality of this film. Where it's like I, I wasn't surprised that when people got their hands shot off that she would just kind of keep going because yeah, people are accidentally whacking each other in the face with morning stars and silver chests. Yeah, I mean, Nicole put in our docket, does it serve a particular purpose in this movie that half of the violence is accidental? And even the death of Cesar, who is the, the bodyguard at the home at the end. Um, well, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm not, not Cesar, Dez. They both die. But Dez's death is accidental as well. Um, you know, Marshall <laughs> shoots a gun, it ricochets and hits her in the oh, head. yes. Um, obviously she's previously blown her, ha- blown her hand off and Elijah Wood has thrown a star into her face. So I don't know if that was going anywhere it's, to begin with. It's in her cheek. It's not, it's doing right. cosmetic damage. Right. Yeah. But, but she does die from a ricocheted bullet off of, off a chimney, yes. uh, yeah. which is, which is just wild because it hits the fan so quickly at the end of this movie where like Cesar dies. Uh, and then she, no, no, Cesar dies. Then Christian Senior, then Des, and then eventually Marshall, and then they lead you to believe that Tony has died as well. Now, did you guys think Tony died at the end of the movie? I did at first. For a second, yeah, when she was in the church by herself, Mm. I thought maybe. Yeah, because this ends with after after Marshall and uh, and Ruth play cat and mouse in the woods for like what seems like way too long of a time to be honest. Uh, Eventually, he gets eaten by a snake and she takes what seems to be the lifeless body of Tony back to civilization. And, uh, turns out he's fine. He just has a cane at the end of the movie. Yeah. He has a cane. I mean, he's in recovery. We don't know how long it's been. Right. Right. Uh, We also don't know if they're like together as friends or romantically. You don't know. Yeah. That was, yeah. I I was okay with that being ambiguous. Yeah. I agree. Um, (laughs) And his like dialogue, I could just talk about Tony quotes, for the whole movie for the whole podcast. Cause like at the end when he's arguing with the, the woman's husband about like, no, don't press him. No, no, no. You gotta get the juice out. It's like, <laughs> no, you want the, you want the juice in the burger. <laughs> it's like, Oh, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Uh, but also just the other line is when he's describing the shapes he could make with the foam. And he's like, <laughs> you know, it's like smiley face, winky face, centaur, Kevin. <laughs> oh, yeah, Kevin. Let's talk about Kevin. Kevin is his mutt dog. Yeah. Great movie yeah. dog. Terrific movie dog. Not my favorite movie dog from an Elijah Wood pick that we've watched. I do prefer seeing I bitch. Um, and that actually leads <laughs> oh, yes. me to a discussion topic, which is, you know, this is the second instance of Elijah Wood we've seen in this show and not very long of a time opting for these bizarre indie roles, which I always find I know we had this conversation a bit with Everything is Illuminated, but I always find it fascinating with him because this is a guy that was the lead actor in one of the biggest movie trilogies of the turn of the century and 
probably could have done anything with his career. And I understand he doesn't have the traditional uh, charisma of a front man, but he does a lot of these movies and I love him for no, it. He does exactly with his career what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's the beauty of Elijah Wood in this movie. Exactly. In 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 his career in general, he DJs. That's a thing he loves to Does do. Does he really? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I need uh, that in my life. He has talked extensively about how he, he was very lucky to have parents because he was a child actor as well. He's yeah. very lucky who, that he had parents who really guarded him against a lot of the dark stuff of Hollywood that's unfortunately happened to child actors. Uh and by all accounts, he is just like the most normal guy who happens to also be this movie star. And he's just had a point in his life where he's like, I- I'm going to do the roles that I want. He's probably still making money off of Lord of the Rings. Like, you know, he's just going to he's going to make weird little indie Netflix movies because that's what appeals to him. And God bless him. Yeah. No, I think also I I see. I think Daniel Radcliffe trying to follow in those footsteps. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two that got perpetually confused. Child stars. Are- yeah. Daniel Radcliffe had his weird phase. Horns. You know? I love horns. horns. <laughs> yeah. Have oh, you never yeah, seen horns? Horns is great. Oh, horns is horns, great. And he was, well, and he was drunk for most of the last Harry Potter movie while filming it, apparently. Uh, but he's now seemed to come out on the side. Well, yeah, he's, I mean, he did Swiss army man, which is a movie I know we're going to watch at some point in this podcast where his role is farting corpse. <laughs> that is his role. And he just very similarly is like, okay, he's, he's going to be, his face is going to be on t-shirts till the sun burns out. Uh, so he's making money. No problem off merchandising right. from Harry Potter alone. So yeah, he's going to go play a farting corpse. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you bring the, him up, Nicole, because that's always been a meme for the last, like, that's a meme of my generation is like, we, we, my generation grew up watching both of them grow up and we can't tell mm-hmm. them apart. And, uh, and that's like a thing. Like, Elijah was like the half a generation before though. Sure. But like, but it's, yeah, it's but a thing. Look they look very much alike. And like, there's this thing on Conan where Elijah Wood, like fake wanted to fight Daniel Radcliffe and like, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, and I, I kind of love them both and you're right. They totally have taken a very similar career trajectory. And I think that can be said for, for Wilfred Wilfred's some weird stuff that you can tell was just a passion project of Elijah Woods, even if it kind of evolved into oblivion toward the end. Um, and and now uh, sort of, sort of his Wilfred Daniel Radcliffe is on a show where he plays an angel and Steve Buscemi is God. Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching that. Is it good? That's a good show. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Very good. It's very funny. He plays somebody who um, he's in the department of answering prayers. Yes. But he all he's a specialist in like little things like helping people find their keys by mostly through <laughs> gusts of wind going in the right direction. <laughs> so, and but, what network uh, is this on? It's on like TBS, I think. Yeah, oh, TBS, oh, right. So somebody at TBS saw The Good Place and was like, we need to make our version of that. But actually, I wish I could remember the name of it. But, you know, just, just Google it. You know, the show where Steve Buscemi plays God and you'll <laughs> find it. They'll, they'll be warned. If you Google Steve Buscemi God, you're going to enter some weird places of the internet. <laughs> oh, probably. Just don't look up the whole Steve Buscemi, Jennifer Lawrence thing. Oh, please don't. No, no um, one needs that deep I, fake. Anyway, the show is called Miracle Workers. Miracle Workers. Ah, thank you. 
Very good. But anyway, uh, rounding back to Elijah, that he is selling his likeness as Frodo for eternity to pay for it. Um, this movie creates the exception to the to, to my just tell us what the thing is rule. David, tell us about your rule. Well, yeah. So we've talked about this before where I feel like being coy in a movie doesn't work out as much. I can't remember what movie we watched where they kind of they talked about a thing in a roundabout way. Like the thing, like, oh, we got to get the thing. But it's like, you don't say what the thing is. And that's like, that's never as interesting as being like, here's what the thing is. You're not being coy, you're not being funny, you're not being interesting. This movie, however, they have a moment where they're talking about the thing in the safe. And uh, the thing in the safe isn't there. And that never gets resolved. And that, for this movie, is okay. Because if they reveal what the thing in the safe is, it's a bag of diamonds. Then Ruth's going to find a bag of diamonds by the end of the movie. Like The movie suddenly becomes about this thing. But I think they very cleverly keep us just outside of that opera. Even though like she's in it, even though we're in that with her, we never know more than she does, and she's never really like fully involved. They keep us just separated from that enough that I think it works for them just to say like it's not here anymore, and it's inconsequential to the film. And I actually was—I actually thought you know I was going to be more upset about it than I was reflecting on it, but no, I think it really works to just not tell us what's well, in there. Because, observation. Again, I always told thought us, that that's what the movie becomes. I guess about. like a bag of diamonds or pile of money or a deed to something expensive. I, because when he's pulling, when Marshall's pulling stuff out of this safe, when they're robbing um, Christian senior, uh, you see like banknotes and stuff like there's potentially valuable things in this safe that he's kind of just skipping over. There's something particular they're looking for that you're right. We never know what that is. Yeah. Yeah, and it would have been like, oh, <laughs> Kevin would have grabbed. Though if Kevin, Kevin um, would have grabbed it, it would have been Tony even would better. have grabbed it, and like as she's rowing, yeah, Kevin would have been there. Uh, Tony would have grabbed it, and it's like as she's rowing, like Tony would have like it would have fallen out of his jacket pocket. And there's the bag totally of right. diamonds. Yeah. And now Ruth's troubles are all over. I agree. <laughs> it's like, we didn't need that. We didn't need that moment in the movie. Right, or they fall in the pond where right. the cottonmouth is that bites the dude in the face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's rough. Oh, the snake hanging off his face. Oh, yeah. I was, I was. He falls it's in a water the pond moccasin. and the, yeah. the, the. I guess it's. A, is it a water moccasin? I think so. Yeah, it's a water moccasin. Yeah. Okay, that bites him. I'm like, oh, it's just like that thing in Lonesome Dove where the <laughs> yeah. some dude falls in the river full of water moccasins. Oof. Oh, snake bite no. is oh, <laughs> snake bite is not a way I want to go. No, that's so high up on the list of ways I don't want to die. Oh, mud, mud is another reason why. With the, with if you the reconnaissance, seen mud, great movie, terrible snake yeah. bite. Oh. Uh, speaking of the reconnaissance, <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to say go listen to our backlog because Rain Rain of Fire is a really good episode. I recently finished editing that, and God bless the reconnaissance. <laughs> Yeah, that that people want to people want to know when our how far ahead we are. Rain of Fire just came we out. We do the day record like a month in doing this podcast. So there you go. And my apologies. Uh, a number of weeks later on how much over talking <laughs> I did on that episode. I apologize. So in this I movie, though, unfortunately, no, no Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> though I, I would be there for it. Yeah. Uh, does this movie work at all without these two leads? Without Elijah Wood no. and without um, yeah. what's Melanie Linsky? Right. Um, as in, well, like, different actors? Who? Are we work, talking about different actors or, grim. like, circumventing their character? Okay. Yeah. I think I would agree with it. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, if you, if you had different actors, I think these two, yeah, I agree. these two just embody these characters so well. Yeah. I think there's so much strength in their performance. Melanie Linsky, by the way, is from New Zealand. That is yes. really good. Her American that. accent is amazing. Yeah, she met Elijah Wood through Peter Jackson. Oh, I believe it. Okay. Also I was wondering. She did Heavenly Creatures when she was I gotcha. 16, which is a Peter Jackson movie. There is also an amazing thing on Con- Cartoon Network that I probably mentioned here before, uh, Over the Garden Wall, that they are both in Elijah oh. Wood and Melanie Linsky. Um, wonderful, wonderful miniseries that Cartoon Network did. But anyway, back to this movie. I think just they, they are so good in these roles that yes. I have a hard time thinking that I would have enjoyed this movie as much with anybody else there. I agree. And I think also Melanie Linsky does this exhausted character Nicole was referring to earlier incredibly well. And she does it also in Togetherness, which was a two season HBO series or maybe one, honestly, that ran about a year ago. And, and she played a very similar character with Ruth in that. Um, and, and I think one thing this movie reminded me of is I want to see more of her, especially because we saw her just last week as well. Like, I think she's a great actress and doesn't get enough roles. And I'd be curious to see where her range is outside of being this, you know, somewhat despondent Ruth, because I've seen her in this role now a couple times, but she's great in this. I can't picture anyone else. Welcome to she the Melanie Linsky podcast. Yeah, she gets she gets a fair amount of work. It's just most of what she does flies under the radar. Right. Guys, what we're saying is we have to watch all the episodes of Two and a Half <laughs> oh, Men that no. she's in. <laughs> That's a slippery no, slope. No, <laughs> um, I always forget that she was well, Rose. That was her name, right? Yep. Rose. Yeah. She, and she was like, arguably that at the time was what the thing she was most well known for. Um, but I forget she was only like a starring character for a couple of seasons and then just like kind of popped in and out whenever she yeah, wanted I just, to. I vaguely remember her as the, uh, as the woman who stalked Charlie Sheen. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Yeah. Um, that show happened. Yeah. No, I, I think Nicole, what are you, what are your thoughts on this? Does this work as well without these two leads? You'd have to cast really carefully. You know, it's just, I was iffy when I first realized that Tony was being played by Elijah Wood, because I'm just like, oh, you know, who's who's going to believe that he's even like v- vaguely a tough guy to any <laughs> you know, pumping iron and listening to metal and, you know, practicing his martial arts. But that's and- the thing. He's not a tough guy, though. He's a wannabe tough guy. He's a wannabe tough guy. But I mean, he's he's got a some physical strength to him. Yeah, he's pumping is, iron at one yeah, point. which is not something that it's not a lot of iron, mind you, but <laughs> no. you know, he's, he's like one of those one of those lean lean guys that you don't want to mess with when they get drunk because um, they're wiry and they fight dirty. Uh, but he's, you know, but he carries Tony on. He gets the personality just nailed completely to where he is somebody you know i somebody that i i almost recognize as like a person i actually met in real life <laughs> you know it's he's a type of person that i have a hundred percent seen in real life multiple mm-hmm. times and yeah. it's just amazing how vivid he is with that yeah the plotting of this movie 
I think the real strength of this movie is the characters that are they're really, really well written and really real. I, you know, I think we've we've kind of said we all we all know a Tony. We all uh, have identified. I think that uh, that Ruth is really relatable. I think really the strength of this movie is the characters, like even like the kind of the bizarre sort of side characters of like uh, her friend and and uh, the husband and the police officer played by Gary Anthony Williams. Yeah, are just very specific, but also very real. I don't. The police officer is a little. He's a little, bit, he's a little comedic. Like a little brothers, comedic. You know? <laughs> yeah, but when he starts crying about the, yes. the wife, we're gonna give it I'm one more go. Boy. Yeah, <laughs> which oh, I did not recognize Gary Anthony Williams when he walked on screen. Man, Ooh. like good for him. He looks great. <laughs> if, you, if you go watch Malcolm in the Middle, when he was on Malcolm in the Middle, he played Stevie's dad. And you will be as surprised as I was. Even the bad, even the bad guys are at least s- somewhat recognizable as real people. Mm-hmm. You know, Christian Jr. is the rich kid who's just rebelling against everything because while he's had every opportunity, he's never. Oh yeah. He's he's never had the opportunity to be happy. Oh yeah, I've definitely met a Christian Junior before. Like I've seen oh, those yeah. guys, and so he's dyed his hair, and he's got a terrible haircut, and making terrible life choices as God, he hangs out with. And he goes into you know he crashes a party and puts an upper decker in the toilet Ugh. upstairs just because he's that kind of guy. Yeah, he's <laughs> a real dick. Oh no, I said it again. <laughs> and then the you know the. The white girl, Des, the white girl with the dreadlocks. For Ooh, no she's the one that I don't want to mess with. Yeah, yeah. With like the long flowy dress and the Doc Martens. You don't want to screw around with her. No. <laughs> and then Marshall, who's the guy who's really too old to be hanging out with kids this age. Mm-hmm. But is because he's poor and he can manipulate them into stealing stuff for him. Yeah. The, the most random part of the movie is when his retainer pops out. Retainer or denture? Oh, it's his bridge. It's oh, is that a bridge? Okay. okay. Yeah, that's you've got a couple of teeth missing. And the ah, bridge is that, okay. Up. Then that's my bad. Nope, works perfectly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, he gets socked in the face by the uh, the arms dealer that apparently has these like weird blunderbuss weapons. Um, Who, according to IMDb, was named Donkey Dick. <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, one another thing I wanted to talk about as well is, uh, and I I think this quote is stupid, which is why I wanted to talk about it. Uh, Rolling Stone called this a Tarantino film for the Trump era, and um, does that even? So mean? here's the thing. Um, without without diving into politics, I mean, w- the the whole Trump era thing is just like, oh, it's about how people are inconsiderate, and well, people have always been inconsiderate, whether or not you think that that is perpetuated by current politics or not. I digress. Um, and this movie was made before the right, election. which is doubly mm-hmm. stupid on that behalf. But also, I think it's stupid to just say like, "Oh, Gore shows up in excess," and I didn't expect it. It's like Tarantino. Like, there's a lot more to Tarantino than that. I'm not the biggest fan of his on, in the world, but like, there's you can't just call movies Tarantino movies because of that. I thought that was a stupid Rolling Stone quote. Right. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's not great. it ignores that in real life, nine times out of ten, violence comes out of nowhere when people aren't expecting it. 
Right. You know, they're doing ordinary stuff and all of a sudden this this thing just sort of rips into their lives and well, throws everything into chaos. Because we're existing in a social contract that we're not all going to kill each other at any point with the many things at our disposal. Right. And then when somebody breaks it, it just sort of not, I mean, it's not just the physical damage, but people are kind of mentally thrown for a loop like, whoa, hey, what? wait, what? <laughs> Yeah. No, like, people don't do that. Well, know? yeah, when when there's a gunshot, the first thing Ruth does is spray her DNA all over the place by just endlessly vomiting. So for that scene, <laughs> she had to have a tube kind of like positioned by her throat to just shoot yeah. this stuff out. And she had to do it for like hours to get this shot the way they wanted it. Because there's so much that comes there out. Is. So very yeah, much. It's, it's a little absurd. Apparently, they had to use CG to cut the amount down. I love it. Because it was too much. I I will say I hate throw up in movies, uh, but I I thought this one was kind of okay because it was in the background and also in a horrifying moment. It never was like, now we cut to her and she vomits for two minutes. No, it's totally warranted. Yeah, I'm right with you, David. Yeah, there's this chaos going on, and there she is just chucking it. I'm like, you know what, girl? Yeah, Marshall's just like, stop that. Uh yeah. I'm firmly of the opinion that you never need to actually show someone vomiting in a movie. There is no reason for that. A hundred percent agree. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think this Rolling Stone quote is a little absurd. Um, I think. Yeah. I, I think it's a slippery slope to just randomly start comparing things to Tarantino because they're bloody, and I feel like that's what it's doing. Um, yeah. And I think this movie also does a pretty good job of balancing that blood with. With, you know, it's, I don't, do you guys think it's excessive at the end? Like, my fiance thought it was a little excessive. The amount of, like, yeah. gore See, that Maybe that's just because I'm, so, I'm so desensitized. Like, we're eating dinner with this movie on, and know. she has to stop eating, and I'm like, want some dessert? Like, I'm just so desensitized to all of this. <laughs> because... They never focus on the violence. But you see it quite a bit. You see never, hands blown they, off and heads yeah, shot but, through and someone's neck gets cut. And like, it's, it's, but it's not, it's not like drive where let's slow-mo <laughs> shoot Christina Hendrix's head off. So right. you see her brain fly Yes, it is not as you, as you infamously, infamously say, masturbatory. <laughs> right. No, it's, I, don't know, I think it's, I it's realistic without being, yeah, without being masturbatory, <laughs> without it being like torture porn right. where you're reveling in it and saying, "Ooh, look how, look how realistic we made this stumpy hand." You know, it's yeah. sort of it's it's there and it's gone, but it's, I think it's realistic in the sense that when things, when things go to hell, when things go wrong in during the perpetration of a crime, things tend to go terribly cascadingly wrong. And also how dangerous guns can be when yeah. they backfire. Like also, you know, yes. when they fire correctly, but also when they backfire. I, I'm with I'm with Nicole on this where I think, yeah, it's it's realistic in the way that horrific violence happens. Well, I agree with you guys. I totally yeah. do. I think it's just this was a situation. I want to check, yeah. I want to bounce against you guys because I am so desensitized. Uh well, seen no, way too much Game of Thrones. Also that, like once, once violence starts, people kind of start to lose their minds. You know, they lose their cool a little bit, and they're 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 thrown, and people start thinking less and less clearly. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So poor decisions are made. I agree. <laughs> no, I, I'm firmly even of the mindset that Marshall and Des don't go into this house wanting to kill anybody. Nor they're prepared, but they're, they're prepared to. But I just I get a, I get I've always gotten the vibe from this movie in, in the two times now I've seen it that Des shoots Christian Senior's hand out of just a gut reaction to seeing another weapon, and it's not something she was expecting. It's not something she really wanted to do. It's not something they really have the guts to do. These are people who didn't even have guns. These are people who you know, like like Nicole said, Marshall is taking no. advantage of pathetic they, youth. They didn't have guns because they're felons. These are people that Christian met while in prison. Right. Or got associated with while in prison. Right, but what I'm saying is like they're not even like equipped enough to have decent guns that most people would rob you with. They have to right. have the ridiculous blunderbuss. Right. They have they have to go through these back channels right. in they have to steal money to buy guns. Right. So it it led me to believe that, you know, maybe they're just not willing to pull these triggers. But then like once one goes off, Nicole is right. It just cascades and gets worse and worse and people start killing each other. So on that note, uh, is this a movie that you guys would recommend? I think David at the top of the show, you said that this would be something you would. Yeah, I think, I think that people, if you enjoy this podcast, if you find that your uh, opinions tend to line up with ours on movies that you have seen, you haven't seen this yet, then I would say, yeah, give this movie a watch. Absolutely. What about you, Nicole? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say it's worth it. It's a little bit, in some ways it's a little bit of a downer because it's like Ruth's life is just kind of so depressing um, (laughs) for a while. Uh, But it was, I was very worried near the end. You know, we've, we've already spoiled that, that Tony does not die. Um, And I was very worried that he was going to, and it was going to be this very sad ending and where it would have been better if she had never stood up for herself and never tried to reclaim her property and never tried to be a stronger person. And, you know, what lesson does that teach? Um, but I think in the end, it's it's a happy-ish ending. None of the really nice people die. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's... It's very bloody and violent in places, and it's dark in a lot of places, but it's also very funny, uh, especially in, like, the front third of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially after the, the nasty, the woman who says the most nasty racist thing just before she dies. And oh, then oh, she her family comes. Yeah. Does she have any last words? And Ruth is just like, Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Mrs. And Hamble. that is the time, you know, ladies and gentlemen, where you make up a fantastic lie, yeah. or you just say she was. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned <laughs> well, that. Like the, like the most insane one-liner of this movie is, you know, by Mrs. Hamble moments where she dies. Watch the movie; it's in the first five minutes. Yeah, right. Which yeah. is, you know, we're trying to keep the non-explicit, <laughs> you know, the clean tag. More you you can't even, you can't even pre- can't pretend to censor says. it. Yeah. Uh, no. No. This movie. <laughs> if you're like me and you have a penchant for Elijah Wood and maybe the similar cylinders of him being weird on on everything is illuminated kind of yeah, fired you for like you. Elijah Wood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like, if you loved everything is illuminated, like I did, this is kind of up that alley of just him playing a really bizarre role that you're really going to end up finding very endearing. And that's what I love about this movie. And I'm all about films that, 
you know, there's not a lot in the first half of this movie, aside from perhaps Ruth's finger getting broken, that would allude to you how downhill this is going to go and how quickly and how far. And I like movies that can take that quick turn and not also revel in it, which I don't think this does. So I, I love it for that. I really yeah. had fun with it. I uh, so next week, though, we're not going to be watching this. Nicole, again, we are going to be watching... Uh, Scott right. Pilgrim versus Scott Pilgrim the world. versus the world. Very, very good. Join us for that. Sounds like it's on Netflix. But let's go around the table and find where people are online. David, where are you? Where are you at? Uh, people can watch, uh, not watch me. You can find me on the Broke by Mountain podcast and run the internet under the username Davluz. That is D A V L U Z. So Twitter and Instagram. Very good. What about you, Nicole? You can find me on Letterboxd, uh, Nicole underscore Davis. I recently updated our movie around list. Um, and I am, I take care of our Facebook page. So that's facebook.com slash movie go around podcast. That is also updated. So anytime you, if you want to know when our new episodes have come out, if you want to know when our, you did this to us poll is up if you want to ask us a question or leave a comment or, you know, interact with us in any way, that's a great way to do it. I'd be happy to please drop us a line or you can reach us through our new email, Brett. Yes. Uh, hi at mgrpodcast.com is that email. And you can also go to mgrpodcast.com to find all the shows on your desktop if that's where you'd like to find them. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. I also want to mention that if you have trouble following like the Facebook links and the Twitter links and the interweb links that we all drop here at the end of the show, social.mgrpodcast.com. Head on over there. It has links to the show's official pages. It has shows it has links to our pages. All that stuff, again, social.mgrpodcast.com. And then finally, rate the show on iTunes or Stitcher if you enjoy it, particularly iTunes. That's the one that matters. Uh, we want to hear from you. I want to see those reviews roll in. We would really, really love to keep expanding our audience, especially for things like you did this to us. More votes come in. We had more votes than ever before last time, even excluding the people trying to game us with the emoji movie. We know you're out there. It was great to see that. It was really fun to be involved with that. Keep doing that. We're excited about that. But that'll do it myself, David and Nicole. We'll be back next week with uh, Future Classics and Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Mm-hmm.